I'm excited to share with you guys this morning a word just to encourage you, uh, just to point you a little bit more to Jesus this morning. Um, how many of you have been enjoying the series that we've been doing on authentic prayer? Come on, we've been talking about prayer here at, at Anchor Church for the last couple of weeks, and it's actually been about more than just prayer. It's been about how to pray authentically, and, and starting to pray authentically is really connected to what you believe. If you're doing stuff that you don't actually believe in, then it's not very authentic, is it? Uh, doing something authentically means that you're doing it from the core of who you are as a person, and it is connected deeply to your convictions and your heart and what you believe. And so this is why God doesn't like religion. This is why Jesus spoke out against religion, because he says you're doing things that your heart isn't in. And he, he keeps saying this over and over again. God says, at one point, Jesus says to the religious people of his day, I want you to go and learn what this means. And that's like the best like dad moment. You know when your dad's like, I want you to just go and think about what you've done. Um, Jesus goes, I want you to go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire love not your religious doings, not just actions, not just you know, lips that honor me, but, but, their, but hearts that are far from me. God wants something genuine when he invites us into a relationship with him. And so when we step into that relationship, the last thing that we want to do is become religious. The last thing that we want to do is just go through the motions. The last thing that we want to do is put the focus on our, of our faith on ourselves and say, well, how I have a relationship with God is by everything that I do. Everything that we walk out in our relationship with God starts with what Jesus has done for us, right? It starts with what Jesus did for you, not what you're doing for Jesus. And it starts by believing in what Jesus has done for you. And, and this is the key to an authentic faith life to an authentic Christianity, to an authentic relationship with God. And so in the series Authentic Prayer, we've been talking about how we get to communicate with God because we have this relationship with Him, because we love to spend time with Him, because we, we love to hang out with Him. So not just a religious duty that we know is, is something good to do, but something that we get to do because of who our Father is. We love to spend time with Him. And unfortunately, when we talk about prayer, prayer is one of those topics that when it comes up, doesn't always seem that glamorous. People are like, ah, oh, I came on the Sunday when they spoke about prayer because I'm going to hear about all the things I should be doing. And I'm not really doing it. And, and, and we kind of see this disconnect because we have put prayer so comfortably into that box. I don't know if, if there are other guys, perhaps even some of the ladies here today that are like me that do this, but, but I have a box in my drawer and a box in my cupboard. And, and it's just like a little box uh, from whatever, uh, you know, wherever I got the box, I can't even remember. And, um, and I would keep little things in that box. Normally it's, it's stuff that has some sentimental value to me. Um, I know that in the box that I have at home, I've got a little badge from when I was in primary school that I for some reason still have. Um, I have my number that I cut out of my rugby jersey after I finished playing rugby and I keep that in there. And I have a photo of my, my baby boy from when he was little. I have that in the cupboard there as well. And an old pocket knife from my grandfather, just some random stuff that I keep um, and it has sentimental value to me, um, but I don't really use. I don't ever, it's just there. 
And for a lot of us, that's kind of the same box that we put prayer into. It's like we, we may even have this sentimental feeling about prayer. Yeah, prayer is good. Yes, we all agree that it's something valuable. We don't necessarily want to get rid of it. Uh, we want to keep it, but we hardly ever actually engage in it. It's not like I, you know, I need to cut some biltong or, or open up an orange and then run up to go get my grandfather's 104-year-old knife so that I can actually use it. It just stays in the cupboard. And that's oftentimes how we approach prayer. We believe that it's good, but we don't actually make use of it as much. And this is because we don't understand fully the relationship and the authentic uh, walk that we can have with God and how amazing it is to actually have that kind of walk. It's like discovering that once, once you start living it out and walking in it, you discover something that you almost never knew was there before. It's like entering a new world. I remember when my wife and I um, were a newlywed couple, somebody gave us a trip to Zanzibar. And we went across to Zanzibar, and it was amazing. And we decided we were going to do scuba diving. And uh, so we, we, we paid for our course at this local place, watched some videos. And, and then we headed out to this little atoll, and, and we did our first dive. And I remember going down, we, we, we snorkeled or we, we scuba dived next to this, um, this, what they call a coral wall. So instead of the, the coral and, and all the life being below you, below you it just gets darker and darker until it becomes black, which is a little bit scary. Um, but you're swimming next to this wall of coral with all these amazing uh, animal life and fish life like coming out of this wall and, and seeing what's going on. It was just an incredible experience. And I remember we surfaced and I thought, can you imagine? That's been there all this time. Like God created all of that stuff, and it's just been waiting there to be experienced and to be discovered. And we're all up here on, on the beach going, hey, this is amazing. You have no idea how amazing it is when you just push out to shore a little bit and, uh, and, and get below the water and actually see how full this life is, this creation is that God has created. And, and when we enter into these things, the problem is that you don't always see from the outside. When you're standing on the beach, all you see is the surface of the water. You don't know how incredible everything below the surface is. And with prayer, it's a little bit like that. You're like, oh, it's prayer. Yeah, I've heard about prayer. I, I know I should pray. I know I should kneel by my bed. Um, I learned about it in Sunday school, or I learned about it when I was going through my catechism classes, or you know, I read about it somewhere. Prayer is an important thing. But all you're seeing is the surface. You don't really know what it is like to dive down below and go 20 meters under and, and start to see the beauty that God has created in that. And so I really believe that God is calling us into something that doesn't stay on the surface, but that goes deep, that goes deep into his heart for us, into trusting in him, into his, uh, into his grace and his goodness and his fullness and his truth. And that's what God is calling us into. And so uh, Hebrews 11.6 is our verse that we've used for this series. Uh, and Hebrews 11.6 has um, a, a very simple message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message with you this morning called Pray Like Jesus um, in this series, Authentic Prayer. But if we just go to Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please Him. The reason why it's impossible to please God without faith is because faith says I believe in what Jesus did for me and that I'm righteous and therefore I get to walk with God. If you believe that you have to please God in your own strength, it's impossible. You can't do enough to be good enough. None of us can. But with faith, we can walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists, that He's true, that He's real, that He exists, and that He is a rewarder 
or that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. So not only that he exists, but that he is good, that he's a rewarder, and that he loves to reward those who trust in him, who seek him. So what we believe at Anchor Church, and what I really believe, is that the more you know God's heart, the more free and the more full you will experience prayer. That's how, how much more full your prayer life will become when you know the heart of God. And we see this in the life of Jesus. No one had to say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, we think it's, you know, you haven't prayed in a while. We think it's probably time for you to pray, Jesus. You know, Jesus was always seeking out this conversation with God. He was always wanting to, to speak to his father in different times of his life. And Jesus faced some really difficult things. The, the, the book of Isaiah tells us that. He didn't have this perfect life. We think about Jesus. We think about him walking super clean, you know, with like people cheering him on and like, you know, bluebirds flying around him and just like everybody wants to be his friend, like animals are coming out of the woods. And, uh, and you know, it's just like this picture that we have of Jesus. But the Bible says that he was a man acquainted with grief, a man of many sorrows tempted on every point yet without sin. This is who Jesus was. He, he was the one, the Bible says in Isaiah, he was, there was nothing stately that you would look at him to desire him. He was one as from whom men hid their faces. Can you imagine like walking through the mall and people like hide their faces when you pass by? Like, who is that? Why do I, why am I looking at this guy? That, that's what the scriptures speak about Jesus. They rejected him in a big way. He was a man acquainted with grief of many sorrows. And, and in all of those situations, Jesus prayed. And we're going to look at some of those today. But before we get there, I, um, I, want to, I want to make something very, very clear. Because people will often tell me that the Bible tells us how we should live. And that's true. But it's also false if you understand it the incorrect way. People would tell me that Jesus' life was an example of how we should live. And that's also true, but it can also be false if you approach it the wrong way. And here's the reason why. In John 15 verse 5, Jesus said this. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And what people do is they look at Jesus' life, or they take the Bible, and, and you may have heard it being called a manual for life. It's not a manual for life. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you'll find life. But you won't. These Scriptures are speaking about me. In other words, we do find life in the Scriptures, but only because we find Jesus in the Scriptures. And then we put our faith in Jesus. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, His grace applies to our lives. We are awakened. We are reborn. We become alive with Him. We're resurrected with Christ. And in this new resurrection power, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit that now resides in us, we do everything that the Bible says. So what people like to do is they want to copy and paste Jesus' life. Well, Jesus did this, so I must do this. You're setting yourself up for failure and disappointment. That is how people leave the church and walk away from God because they go, I tried to do everything that Jesus told me to do, and it's impossible, right? I've tried it. I've tried, I've tried to be good. I tried not to swear. I tried not to get upset in traffic. I tried to be nice to everyone all the time. I cannot be Jesus. And so we go, okay, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I'm not good enough to come to church. I'm not good enough to be used by God. I, don't, I can't do that stuff. 
You know, that's actually what the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, is trying to show you. God already knows that we can't do it. And the beginning point of our faith is when we also know that we can't do it. That's the beginning point. You don't have faith if you haven't come to the point where you don't know that you can't do it. So let me help you today in your faith. You can't do it. Okay? You can't do it. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not wise enough. None of us are. The Bible tells us that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. None of us can just make that jump on our own. And so it would be like I was watching a video of these guys doing crazy things. Um, actually, it was a, a series of GoPro videos from this past year. And there's a guy that jumps across this incredibly wide gap between two buildings, just runs and jumps and then hits the ground and rolls and does the whole thing. And I was thinking about, uh, you know, if we copy and paste biblical principles, it's like you without any training, and I take you up on the roof and I go, no, 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 just, just make the jump. Just make the jump, just go. Like, I'm over here, and what God is calling me to is over there, so just why don't you just get a good run up and then launch yourself into the air and hope you'll make it. And we all go splat on the pavement in that scenario, right? All of us. There's no coming back from that. So if I ask you to do something from Scripture, but don't show you where the power to do those things comes from, I'm leading you into condemnation. I'm leading you into shame. I'm leading you into guilt. I'm leading you away from God, not deeper into God. And so, yes, we pray like Jesus. We do what Jesus called us to do, and we, we, we obey his commandments, but we know that we don't do it in our own strength. We only do it according to the grace and the life of God that we have on the inside of us now. So our sufficiency is not from ourselves. It's from God. That's good news, because if you came in here thinking, I, I, I thought I would be able to pray, but I've tried it, and I'm not really great at it, so I'll just wait for this message to pass, and then I'll have some filter coffee and, you know, some cake afterwards. This doesn't really apply to me because I'm not good enough yet to pray. None of us are. But in Christ, we can overcome our weaknesses and our flesh and our, and, and our, our, our procrastination and all the obstacles that keep us from being faithful. So because Jesus has done what he did on the cross for us, and because we have our faith in God and we've been renewed, there's nothing left for us but to be faithful. That's all we have left because we do it according to the strength that we have in Christ. So we don't copy and paste principles from the Bible into our lives and just try and live by them. Instead, it's more like a paste and copy situation. We first paste the truth of who Jesus is and then we get to copy him. And it's so important that when I preach messages like this about let's do things like Jesus did it, that we understand we can only do it because Jesus is actually still doing it through us today, right now. He is working in us, the Bible says in Philippians. It is God who works in you both to will and to do to his good pleasure. So not just the ability to do, but actually gives you the desire to do it as well. Some of you right now, as I'm talking about prayer, God is stirring up the desire for prayer in your heart. It's not because you're just a great Christian going, yeah, I should pray. It's because God is busy stirring something. He's giving you both the will and the ability to do according to his good pleasure. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So having said all of that, 
let's look at how Jesus prayed. And what I want to highlight today is just a couple of scenarios that Jesus expressed his trust in the Father. We spoke about this last week in a message called Do Not Be Anxious, and that message is up online uh, on soundcloud.com and also on our website, anchorjoburg.org, if any of you want to go and listen to it. But um, in last week's message, we spoke about prayer, and we spoke about how um, prayer actually directly causes us to trust in God, which short-circuits anxiety in our lives, because we face anxiety. It's a real thing. But when we declare and start uh, declaring our, our faith in God, our anxiety subsides. We experience the peace of God that the Bible says stands God over our hearts and our minds, a peace that transcends understanding. And we read this quote last week from Watchman Nee where he said that prayer is not notifying God of your circumstances. We're not notifying God. What we're doing is we're expressing our faith in God in the midst of our circumstances. So it's not like if you didn't pray that God would have been unaware that you're going through something right now. But the act of prayer is an act of faith that says, God, I know that you see what I'm going through. And so I'm saying to you, I trust in you. And that's why the Bible says, when you're anxious to pray with thanksgiving. So you start just giving God thanks because you go, God, I thank you that you already see my circumstance. God, I thank you that I know that you already have the solution. God, I thank you that you are in control. God, I thank you that I can rest in you right now because you've already given me all things. And so there's a way to pray that, that really expresses our faith in God. And we see that Jesus did this regularly. So here's, I've got just five, I'm just going to take five occasions and just show you how Jesus prayed and when Jesus prayed. And the first one we find in Mark 1 verse 35, and there are several scriptures that kind of show this, but it says here in Mark 1 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, that being the first scripture, we can just leave that up there for a moment, but that being the first scripture, all of you are really worried right now that I'm gonna say that what you need to do to be a faithful Christian is get up while it is still dark and pray. I pray, I can tell you, every morning before the sun comes up, but that's because my kids are awake and I'm praying that they would go back to bed, right? Um, so that's actually not what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is the first time that Jesus prayed, the first way we see him pray is when he didn't have to. Let's just go ahead and put that up, John Jock. When he didn't have to. Jesus prayed when he didn't have to. Now, we all Almost by human nature, even people that don't consider themselves Christians pray when they're in trouble, right? They're like, if there is anybody out there, like, please come to my aid. So we all know how to pray when it's in, in reaction to something. And I want to say that it's, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says that God is close to those who are brokenhearted, that he hears the cries of those who are in trouble, those who are suffering, and that he meets their needs. Like God is actually a God who is very open to the cries of those who are facing calamity and facing difficulty. It's the kind of God that he is. He doesn't turn people away um, in their time of trouble. So it's fine to pray as a reaction. I pray as a reaction all of the time. But there's also another way that Jesus prayed, which was when he was being proactive in his prayer life. 
In other words, he wasn't waiting for the, for the circumstances to dictate his prayer life. Instead, he proactively decided that because of his love for God and because of his need for God and because of how he wanted to grow in his relationship with God, that he would proactively set out to connect with God every single day. And the way that Jesus did it was by withdrawing from the crowds. We see in, in different scriptures, in Luke, for example, it tells us that, that, that there were crowds that surrounded Jesus, but he would withdraw himself uh, and go into a solitary place, and there he would pray. Oftentimes, either all night, starting from the early evening through the night, or getting up early in the morning and going out and being alone. And what I really see in this is the fact that Jesus got away from the noise of life. He wanted to take that moment. If you've ever been up at that time, there's so little going on. It's so quiet at that time that you can just focus on God completely. And he loved to do that, to go out into solitary places and pray. It's incredible how um, even, even in, in other times we see him praying in a garden or praying out in the wilderness. And it's amazing how, how people, when they live in the city, they say, oh, you know, it's the end of 2016 and it's been a really busy year and I'm tired. And, and what does everybody do to recharge? They go either into a garden or they go into like, a, you know, a park like the, the Kruger Park or somewhere of natural beauty or they go to the beach and enjoy the ocean. And it's somehow being around God's creation, seeing his fingerprint in what he has designed, not what man has designed has the ability to recharge us. Isn't that amazing? Like nobody goes, I really needed a recharge. Let me just go into the inner city. <laughs> Let me just go sit around some concrete. I need some concrete in my life. No, everybody's like, I need to get out into nature to recharge because you're getting closer to creation. And the Bible tells us that, that the evidence, the, the revelation, the general revelation of God is evident in creation. So we see God in creation. The closer we draw to that, the more we get recharged. And so Jesus goes, man, I'm facing some big things in life. And so before I take them on, I want to get into a place where I can be recharged, where I can be encouraged, where I can be reminded of the commitment that the Father has towards me and my relationship with the Father, that, that, I, can, that I can walk with Him. And so I believe that it is so valuable to have structured prayer times in your life. Now, before you get worried about the word structure, uh, I've got to tell you that I'm a person who, who is both very systematic but also hates the system, right? I kind of have a bit of an internal conflict because I, I believe in doing things well and thoroughly, and I even studied systematic theology. But at the same time, I, I'm so weary of, 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 um, or, or afraid of losing the heart and the authentic expression within that. So I've kind of always battled, and there's times when I kick against the system, and I rebel against the system, and then I'm like, but wait, I actually need the system, because otherwise nothing is happening. And, and so there's this balance, and so how do we have structure and still remain authentically true in our hearts? And as I was thinking about it, God gave me the perfect, because this applies to our prayer lives, our faith, our church. It applies to church. Church needs structure. It needs leadership. It needs, you know, accounting. It need, there's a lot of things that need to be done within a church setup. But at the same time, we don't want to lose the heart of what God has called us to do. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message online. I really hope that you're enjoying it as you're going through it. We've been having a great series on authentic prayer. And unfortunately, on this particular Sunday, we weren't able to record the entire message due to a technical difficulty. But what we've done is we've posted the rest of the points on our blog on anchorjoburg.org. Please head on over to anchorjoburg.org and find the blog Pray Like Jesus, and you will find the rest of the points there. And uh, we hope that it encourages you and helps you in your walk with Jesus.